I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hello and welcome to another episode of the That Final Scene podcast. My name is Sophie and I'm joined by... Simon. And... Ben. For a Tom Cruise Field episode. Today we're going to be breaking down the final scene of Top Gun Maverick. Though in full transparency, it doesn't need massively <laughs> much explaining. It's a highly complex oh. ending. <laughs> yeah. There isn't much depth. Yes. Maverick ending <laughs> meaning. Yeah. I googled Ending it immediately explained. on my home. <laughs> But we'll do our best to keep you entertained. And we're also going to be talking through some of our favorite and least favorite Tom Cruise performances. We also put the rankings to a vote for our audience to decide. So I'm excited to chat through the results. But first of all, let me just say, the prestige saga continues. Yeah, I love it. So for those who are new to the podcast, in our very first episode, Ben dared to go on record to yeah. say that The Prestige is Christopher Nolan's best film. And I still stand by it. I was just thinking about the cast on the way here. Mm -hmm. So you've got Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale as the two leads. Then you've got Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson, David Bowie, Andy Serkis is in there as well. Such a good cast in that movie. Winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, since that claim, things have kind of spiraled on social, but yeah, we actually it. just received a voice note from a listener. And let me just say, that person has very strong opinions. He's got on, feelings. Do you he's got it? feelings. Yeah, I go think for we should it. play it. The Prestige is not Christopher Nolan's best film. Nowhere near the top five. Like, The Dark Knight is obviously number one. And then um, I know how people feel about The Dark Knight Rises, but that's definitely better than The Prestige. And you got like Interstellar and Inception and heck, even Dunkirk. I like The Prestige, but I put it towards like the bottom on Christopher Ouch. Nolan's best film. It doesn't sing me too hard because I'm inclined to do I Obviously, I I disagree, but I love how passionate he's being. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did send us another one where he kind of like toned it down, but I'm like, no, give me like your full passionate rage about which Christopher Nolan film is your favorite one. I stick by my guns. Interesting that he didn't mention Tenet. He's called them all out except Tenet there. And um, what's that first one about where the guy keeps forgetting things? Uh, Memento. Memento. Didn't mention Memento either, which is a very good film. As in he didn't mention them in terms of... Well, just like, didn't bring them up. The right, fact that yeah, the fact so that he throws like Dunkirk in as a throwaway and was like, oh, even Dunkirk's that good, but doesn't mention Tenet or Memento. When it comes to Tenet, I don't think it could be anyone's favorite Nolan film. No, but. I don't think it'll be anyone's favorite. And listen, don't get me wrong, The Dark Knight's great. It, yeah, it's a fantastic film. But, What's Tenet about? It's not about Tenet Super. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it about Tenet begun. Super, but actually, you know what? It might have been a better film if it had been. No, it's a weird, like, uh, time-reversing kind of science fiction film that is so confusing and doesn't really answer any of the questions it poses. Even so, the war tenet is in palindrome. Yeah. Uh, All of his films are kind of time-related, aren't they? Oh, yeah, he's obsessed with time. And it's it's very good, you know. Um, is it John David Washington's really good in it as, mm -hmm. the, as the lead? And we have a lovely Kenneth Branagh, bizarre Russian accent in the film, which is chef's kiss. And uh, Robert Pattinson, I mean, the, you know, the patissance is keeps going with that one. I think he's really good in it. But yeah, it's not going to trouble anyone's... Listen, sometimes I do say inflammatory things like that. So if you do disagree with me, please let me know. Just to remind everyone, we are taking your voice messages, right? So send us your hot takes, send us your worst or best be impression as... of Christopher Walken. We're going to play oh, wow. it, okay. most likely. 
send us your questions, send us your final scene suggestions, right? Just go to thatfinalscene.com slash voice message, right? Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> look, um, Please do not DM me your voice notes or a pink download from Instagram. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> go to the website, record and just play it. Uh, we might just feature it in a following episode. And and be as passionate as possible. You yes. Know? Let us know. Like, that's the great thing about this. This thing that I've really enjoyed doing this podcast is that with the three of us get to be like as passionate as possible about these movies. So, you know, please, you know, use it as an outlet. This is a great outlet for us to Yeah, we would shout out your movies. name, dude, for recording that yeah. message, but you never said who you are. Oops. Yeah. Sorry. I sincerely hope you had pulled over because you're clearly in a car as well. So I hope you're not recording voice notes on your phone while driving on the highway. We appreciate the candor, though. Yeah. Yes, we definitely do. Maybe it could be uh, like a ranting in the car section. It's like perfect for long traffic jams and Sex stuff. Sex session. No, like no. <laughs> no what? What did you? How did you hear so I, I, session? I, car sex session? No, That's what ranting I heard. in the car session. Oh, session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Se- you, oh, Jesus. Okay, cool. I need some sleep. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? Simon, you've been watching a ton of films. Well, I watched Basic Instinct. Oh yes. Which? That yeah. Golden Nugget. I, I'm really surprised that you like it. <laughs> I love it. What are you talking about? Like, there's it's nothing... like, it's basically a soft porn film. What, yeah, exactly. That's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> what did you know about the film yeah, before watching I knew question. about the leg cross scene. The, yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. yeah. And the controversy around that. And that's about it, really. How many stars out of ten? Um, eight. Ooh, that's, that's, very that's pretty high. high but the bit that I liked most of all in the opening scene there's a lady in the bed with blonde hair there's the rock stars like tied up on the bed and then this guy gets murdered really brutally with an ice pick and then afterwards all the police pile in they're, they're coming to the room and they're, all the cops are like coming around like checking the room dusting for prints and stuff and one guy gets this torch out to look for like jizz stains on the bed <laughs> oh god <laughs> but, and so you can see it, that's, well, like an ultraviolet yeah. an ultraviolet light. I light. And, and, oh and you can see it, and you can see it happening right and you're just like okay and, and, and then one guy gets some goggles out and starts looking and then out of nowhere this line comes in <laughs> There's cum stains all over the sheets. <laughs> it's literally the most unnecessary script line I've ever heard I in my feel life. Like that, I feel like that's it's an like, Im- that's an improv. That's the guy's just they were just like, and you and you say something, ugly-bing. whatever it is, yeah. you yeah. say anything, and he's just went for a couple. There's cum stains all over the sheets. <laughs> he tries like, wow, you could break those sheets over your knee. Yeah. Nah, that doesn't work. We need to go with something else, something more visceral, something different. It's just like it's completely out of place in the whole film. Like most of the rest of the script is fine, but that mm. line was this complete it was like something a big mouth it was like a cartoon like yeah. South Park or something yeah apart from that the film's really good fun so I recommend you watch it are you gonna watch the sequel is there a sequel there's a basic instinct too yeah already done I think so I think yeah, it's yeah. like it's, it's uh, yeah it came out in 19 uh, like it's, a, it's a, yeah it's an older it. one as well yeah so watch that and then uh, what else did I watch Magnolia on the Tom Cruise tip nice had you seen it before? You had seen it before, right? No, you no. hadn't. Okay, wow. Loved it. Mm-hmm. I think it's my favourite ever film that has Tom Cruise in it. Have yeah. you seen it, Ben? No, I've not seen Magnolia. No. It's interwoven stories of people in really difficult circumstances. Yes. It's got Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. It's always a good oh, sign. Amazing. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it's got quite a mad ending. Well, not spoil it if you're going to watch it. Yeah, but... I'm going to watch it, so don't spoil it. John C. Riley is so good at it as well. It stood out to me, like his performance, because he's usually like John C. Riley. So yeah. he actually shows up in Magnolia. Julianne Moore is in it. Um, mm. So yeah, it's, cool. yeah. I never thought I'd say this in my life, but the standout performance in that film is Tom Cruise by miles. And he plays this absolutely horrific motivational speaker, Frank. 
and he's got a program called what's it called uh, seduce and destroy oh god he goes on stage and he like whips up all these men that can't get girlfriends into, into a friend yeah but it's really horrific incel before incel exactly, became yeah. a thing yeah but it's it's worth watching just for that because it's so funny and so outrageous okay well i'll add that to the list to watch then of the other tom cruise films i need to watch i feel like i'm just going to go on like a tom cruise marathon this week i've been doing exactly that and you will not i mean i know you know that you're not gonna regret no i'll start with the mission impossible marathon which is always satisfying and then go <laughs> on to the heavier topics like magnolia and the last summer do you feel like you have to adjust your soundbar like your or your sounds like system for films like mission impossible i want them as loud as possible yes so, exactly. i was yeah, gonna say i'm absolutely blasting them apart from mm-hmm. the second one which i tend to just turn off because it's not great i feel like he slept through his lines in, <laughs> in that one, film no tom cruise yeah oh, tom, I just, yeah, 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 yeah tom cruise i just felt like he yeah. randomly has anthony hopkins in it as like his new his new boss and it just went a little bit wayward on that one Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the third one's good I enjoyed the third one with Philip Seymour Hoffman as the bad guy it's not the best one but still good and then they just kind of gave it a couple of years hired Christopher McQuarrie which is the best partnership Tom Cruise it seems has ever had sorry Katie Holmes is that his but, like um, co-writer guy that helps yeah so he so I actually I, I noticed it in the credits on yeah, he's one of that. the executive producers on Maverick as well he's written and directed some of the last few Mission Impossible films and he, he's, he just, he seems to work with Tom Cruise quite a lot where Cruise has hit this really kind of sweet patch of really good action movies. And the other one I watched was Night on Earth because our nice. friend Sam recommended it mm. and I fucking loved it. Which we're going to hopefully do for a final yeah. scene soon. Excited. That's your homework this week. Yes. It's, and Magnolia. It's, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. It's Jim Jaramouche or Jim yeah, Jaramouche. It's so, it's so hard it. to, yeah, pronounce his name, but that's the guy. Two of my favorite films from him. One, Coffee and Cigarettes. You're going to love that, Simon. Two, Patterson with Adam Driver. Cool. Such a oh, good film. So what have you been watching, Sophie? Uh, just a bunch of Tom Cruise films, yeah. really. I've just been going down the cruise rabbit hole. <laughs> should, we, should we give a little mention to the boys as well? Yes. Do you want go? Do you want to go first? Because I mean, we can. Well, yeah. all all I'll say is is that I, I I love it and it's great that it's back. But the opening episode has one of the I have never felt more squeamish in one of the opening scenes. Would you like me to talk about it? Spoiler alert for the opening for the opening. I don't know what, you, what you're talking about. So the boys is an Amazon Prime series and it's in okay. its third season now, which is basically the boys are a group of guys who. Have, there's these superheroes in the world who are actually just kind of all arseholes and they're led by this guy called Homelander who is the arsehole of all arseholes. And there's these group out to get them, the boys who are just like, well, listen, we think superheroes are dickheads. We want to show them up for who they are and basically try and kill them. So it's this like hyper kind of stylized violent show. And the opening episode of season three has something that I found out is is actually an homage to uh, theories of Ant-Man and Thanos on Reddit. What? So basically around the time of kind of the Avengers, when Thanos was the big scary thing, everybody said why there was a theory online of why wouldn't Ant-Man just shrink himself down, climb inside Thanos' ass and then just expand himself to make it explode? And there's basically a scene in the opening scene of The Boys season three where this guy he can shrink himself down to the size of a termite and to pleasure his boyfriend, he goes... Butt plug. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he goes inside his boyfriend's penis. And while he's in there, he accidentally sneezes and makes himself go full size again while he's inside him. So basically just like uh. makes the guy explode. And it's possibly the most uncomfortable I've ever felt. <laughs> Generally had to like cross my legs and be like, oh, God. uncomfortable yet satisfied. <laughs> yeah. A satisfying Not for the climax. dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> I am enjoying it. Me and Sophie had a bit of a chat before you got here, Simon. And my kind of take on this season is I think it's good. I'm enjoying it. 
but I am worried that they're just kind of getting into the like every season is just kind of be the same. Homelander's mm. a dick, but he's unstoppable. He does something really bad then gets put in his place. So I, I'm, I'd be interested to see how they kind of break out of that. Cycle. Exactly. They need to deliver big with Soldier Boy. They need to do yes. something creative with him. Lovely gentleman. Soldier, Soldier Boy. What the fuck? Soldier Boy is uh, evil Soldier Captain Boy's America. Another, yeah, he's evil oh. Captain America. It's not yeah. related to the artist. Not that, no, not, oh. not Soldier Boy. No, so- <laughs> oh, okay. Please, Simon. Spelled completely differently. <laughs> I can see them playing with that, though, because yeah. it's a very, like, pop culture like, meta Yeah, reference, I can imagine so. him doing, you know, the, what is it, the, su- the Superman moves and all that kind of stuff, you know, like, doing, Yo, the, do- yeah, doing sure. the dance moves at some point, <laughs> which will be... Is it called Soldier Boy Tell Him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. But sorry, uh, Sophie, what are your thoughts on it? No, I would just retweet on everything you just said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, don't hashtag, start saying, hashtag, hashtag retweet. Retweet. Uh, I, I, it's still very early. It's all, we've yeah, only we're seen three episodes, episodes in, right? Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I was going to say is I was expecting Soldier Boy. <laughs> the actual to, Soldier Boy. The actual Soldier Boy to have made the proper <laughs> proper entrance earlier yeah. on in the season because we're three episodes in and so far we've only seen him in flashbacks. So I'm not sure yeah. where they're going with this. Um, yeah, what's the space? We're going to have more reactions as the episode as, as it inevitably gets weirder and weirder. Back to my Tom Cruise marathon anyway. Yes, I've been watching a bunch of his films. Some of them I've seen before, some others I hadn't. The first one, A Few Good Men, I'd seen ages ago. Is that on your good, good list? Uh, that was your good, I, bad, wasn't that, it? That was your good, bad. Um, I feel like it's, that's really I, intense for like a hangover day. I, <laughs> oh, but it's so watchable. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So, and it's like, about this very clear goodies and baddies as well. That, classic that, Tom Cruise trope. Yeah, that's true. Like, there's no grey well, area. Well, no, actually, just, Magnolia. No, no, that's the exception. Yeah, oh, that's okay. the exception. But he wasn't yeah. producing, like, at the time. Uh, that's, like, clearly a PTA, like a Paul Thomas Anderson. Is he producing A Few Good Men? Most of his... Oh, my... Oh, no, Surely that's don't, before he Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. But I felt like Magnolia was the one of the first departures that he had from like a career progression point of view because he mm. wanted to get out of the what's the word Being typecast as yeah he was hero. he was quickly getting tight yeah at the time yeah. so he wanted to kind of break out of that anyway if you're a good man i really like yeah similar to you like it's very watchable though i'm gonna say that i feel like it gets really good after the trial starts so like the second half of the film the first half i'm like a bunch of words i don't understand like mm. yeah anyway i also watched rain man have you seen rain man no i'm sure you've seen dustin hoffman's performance somewhere because it's i mean he won an oscar for his performance because he was playing an autistic person and mm. it was one of the it was probably at the time it was the most popular depiction of an autistic person which has its fair share of problems and it still does to this day because it felt very stereotypical back then but at the same time i've been reading up on this it did spark a new wave of research around that area because it mm. got so popular and like it raised like a lot of awareness around the condition. What I'm going to say is that Tom Cruise actually really good in that film. And I feel like everyone forgets about him in the film because Hoffman is so famous for what he did. So I really like the fact that in that film, he's playing his brother. And I like how his arc feels quite realistic. He goes from infuriated with his brother to almost bewildered to understanding so again like a feel-good film ultimately the other tom cruise film (laughs) the last samurai another like maybe problematic film Um, 
white savior at its best and at its worst at the same time it is a guilty pleasure of mine because i do love it i feel like a lot of comments around the instagram page a lot of people brought up the last samurai as well as like of their favorite they it's a fan favorite for sure yeah the score is incredible probably the best thing about the film the problematic issue with it is that the premise of the film is there's a white guy that goes to a bunch of samurais to teach them how to be a better samurai <laughs> because, because white because white men really know how to be samurai yeah exactly so it's like yeah it's, there are definitely issues there but at the same time it has been praised for its positive cultural representation because it does let you know like cultures be cultures in a way it lets the foreigners speak <laughs> good lord <laughs> i was good never mind i rewatched top gun uh just because like in prep for maverick I don't like that film. I'm, I'm going to say what? I have it. to say one of, one of the one of the best things about Maverick is that I feel like you don't really have to have seen Top Gun because there's repeat, there's kind it? of so much kind of exposition in the dialogue every five minutes that you don't really need to have seen it. No, you there's always these nostalgia scenes where every room they go into, there's like photos in the background of, like of, of, of Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. Yeah, yeah, they need like a slow pan onto one of them so you know that that was yeah. from the previous film. They have sculptured the film in a way that you don't need to have seen the original for sure just so they can bring the younger demographic as well but i do think you lose some of the nuance right like you, you lose the good storyline oh of course yeah and like yeah even the opening yeah. like the title card is like yeah star wars on earth that's well, what top even, gun is about yeah <laughs> we'll we'll talk we'll talk i'll talk about yeah, it in the yeah. final scene but even just one of the ending bits with one of the planes is a big callback to the original movie that you really appreciate if you've seen the original so I'm going to start by saying this. It's hard to pick a favorite Tom Cruise film, but I feel like it's even harder to pick a least favorite Tom Cruise Just film. Just because there's quite a few. That's the problem. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because there aren't any. Yeah, no, I it's, no, the, no, I feel like the ones that we've come up with on our list, like yeah. Far and Away, The Mummy. Right. You know. But the thing is, like the, the issue with his films, which we're going to talk about in a second, is that there, I feel like there are only two types of Tom Cruise films. The films that he plays Tom Cruise and the film that he plays a character. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I feel like that's the way to approach it. So anyway, that said, we all have different tastes, right? So me, Ben and Simon picked one Tom Cruise performance that we think is genuinely good. One performance from him that we low-key enjoy, but it's best enjoyed on yeah, a, like a hangover on Sunday. Like, yeah, like I just turn my brain off. Exactly. And one Tom Cruise performance that we thought was truly awful. And what we did was we put our picks live on my Instagram stories and we asked the community to vote for their favorite ranking. So we're going to announce the results in a second. Drum roll. But why don't we go around to talk about our picks first? Simon, do you want to go first? Good Good was Magnolia, which mm-hmm. we talked about. Which we talked about, mm-hmm. yeah. Good Bad, a few good men. Easy to watch, very clear goodies and baddies, nice resolution, job done, hungover Sunday. Bob, your uncle. Bad, bad, Jack Reacher. I can't even remember what happens in it. It was so dreadful, I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I don't mind Jack Reacher too much. I didn't think it was that bad. It's a solid five or six out of ten. Yeah, I don't mm. like it. That's I mean, I could have put Cocktail for that, but... <laughs> I think, I'm you should like have put Cocktail for that. <laughs> it's like, as you'd say, it's problematic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most Tom Cruise films yeah, are Yeah, I mean, that's dated quite way. badly. Ben, what were your picks? I'll go bad, bad first, just because there's not much to say about it, because it's just so 
crap <laughs> is um, The Mummy. It's just a terrible, Never it's not it. a good film at all. Correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's Warner Brothers, but they were trying to do, oh, we're going to do this like universe of like the monster. So it was going to be like Dracula, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, The Mummy, The Werewolf, and they were going to make all these films and they were all going to exist within one another, like this Marvel movies. And it fell on its arse so badly. They Dude, were that's like, because no. anything that involves the word franchise, I don't want to watch it. It's just corporate. Well, this was, yeah. Well, this was the worst of that. This was that <laughs> bad. Um, my good bad one is Tropic Thunder, which again, yes, it's incredibly problematic. If you want, <laughs> God, you what's, what's problematic in it? Well, Robert Downey Jr. It's Robert not Downey politically Jr. correct. Is, yeah, I, is, I won't even go into it. Yeah. I'm looking, you yeah. said I'd really enjoy it. What does that mean to me? I don't know. To, to be to be to be fair, I don't know, Simon. To, yeah, to to be fair, I think there is. I mean, and that we could have an episode just on that, but I do feel like there is space for comedy to be not politically correct. Yeah, right. Edgy, I don't feel like yeah. that's what art is like. Mm. That that's art's purpose, and I do feel like if you rewatch the film, like maybe there are some nods to the entire like nonsense being fairly sarcastic. Yeah, right? and it's and it's just pointing it's just pointing the finger at the film industry and just being like so. you're really fucking stupid. Yeah. Basically you know, just being mm. like these are all the kind of ridiculous things that actors do and, and, and producers. And actually that's why I really like it because when Tropic Thunder came out kind of I think it was like two thousand eight around that time, that was kind of when we had Tom Cruise and he was in this weird kind of space where there was like the kind of Scientology stuff and like his public image probably wasn't as good as it is now like tom Cruise's mm-hmm. public image right now was great. his covid outburst <laughs> yeah which i thought he ended up looking quite good he, well he did of, because yeah. it, because it was just him trying to like yeah. protect the film and stuff which is you know that's a whole the other thing. The but the great thing is is that in, in tropic thunder he just comes out and is kind of like it's completely unexpected he's in a fat suit he's wearing a bald cap all he does is swear <laughs> and say <laughs> offensive things like it's very not tom Cruise. So yeah. it's quite. Uh, That's really interesting. The perception, like, the public perception, is Jehan consider that? Yeah, I, I think mm. it's quite interesting because if you think of what his public perception was at that time. To then for him to go, I'm just going to completely take the piss out of myself. Now, that still went a little bit wayward for a film that could have gone into bad battles when he did things like Rock of Ages, which was like, you just didn't need to, you just didn't need to bother. Um, I, like, and then, I, like, I mean, he was hot. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Do you think Tom Cruise is attractive? In Rock of Ages? Well, I think Tom Cruise, is, I would say Tom Cruise is attractive. Oh, yeah. he, the fact yeah. that his age, the shape that he's in, my yeah. God, Jesus Christ, chiseled at his age. It's ridiculous. And then, yeah, my good good would be. Uh, I was torn between Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Fallout mm-hmm. and I went for Rogue Nation just because it's where I feel like recently they've really hit their stride with like just really fucking solid action movies. They brought Rebecca Ferguson into it as as a kind of a character in the story, which was really good. Simon Pegg obviously is playing a much bigger role now and he's really good in it. Alec Baldwin was really good in it as well, kind of unsurprisingly, uh, kind of surprisingly. And yeah, obviously that le- leads in, you don't have Fallout without Rogue Nation. So I went for Rogue Nation. Very good explanation. That's my three. So I went for... Tom Cruise in Collateral as one of my best, not my best, his best performances. It's a film by Michael Mann. 2004, he's playing an assassin. His name is Vincent, if I'm correct. And he's playing opposite Jamie Foxx. It's a neo-noir thriller that you wouldn't see Tom Cruise in because Tom Cruise, right? So I I do feel like it's part of maybe that rebranding at the time that he was it's kind a very, of doing yeah it's a quite a stylish i remember watching it years ago it's a very stylish film very again yeah. it's a cool premise as well mm-hmm. it's a good have premise. you seen heat i love heat it's his yeah it's my from michael director. mann so it has that kind of feel like he builds the most incredible visual world yeah. so like i feel like that's uh and exactly the soundtrack of heat with the piano it's amazing. oh so good yeah 
the my good slash bad hangover film is Risky Business. That's nice. <laughs> oh, I keep meaning to watch that. Dude, okay. This is literally my hangover film, though I have to say I don't usually watch the entire film when I'm a hangover. I just go and watch the dancing. You just, I was going to say, you just watch up until the dance and then you leave it at that. Because you have like Tom Cruise in like button-down shirt, tube socks, dancing to what is it, like old-time rock and roll. And you're like, that's all I need in my life. Yeah. And that's the thing with Cruise. I feel like he's always been great at physical comedy and it's, it's a shame that he hasn't used that kind of talent all that much. He's got, yeah, he's got very good He's got good timing for yeah. like someone who's just like an action hero. He actually has quite good comedic timing. Yeah. Anyway, now when it comes to a bad Tom Cruise performance, I went with Far and Away. Ben, I feel like I need to hand this over what, to you. But like just that Irish, like dreadful accent is all you need. It's, it's horrendous. All- it's so bad. Hello, Grace. Hello, Joseph. Will I be seeing you in church tomorrow? What is going on? Hello, Grace. Hello, dear Grace. Grace. We can share a pew, me and you. (laughs) Too low. Same to you. But just don't. Just don't even try. She's got an awfully large chest to be going to church. Shannon, our chests are equal in the eyes of the Lord. Our chests are equal in the eyes of the Lord. She'll never come out, the little tramp. Oh, please turn it off. Please turn it off. She's a dancer in the burley. I'm enjoying it. <sighs> that isn't dancing. That's kicking her knickers up. <laughs> oh, God. So it's a period Western in a way, like period Western romance, whatever. Like the, the film by itself, it's not awful. Like I think the premise is kind of okay. So they go they from go Ireland to America. to America. Yeah. In an effort to claim some free land somewhere. Yeah, it's like like one of these kind of period piece things of like they leave the west of Ireland to go to America. And make it. In like the 1800s or the early 1900s or whatever it is. And he gets into fights and he loses like a bunch of fights and then they end up broke and it's a mess and they kind of get together. But then they're like. Just hire Irish (laughs) It's a made up accent. which So like this is why I kind of find entertaining because. Irish people. I think it's like a gypsy, but it's not even like. I get it back in like the 90s when like Tom Cruise is hot shit and he's the cool young actor. But please stop doing it now. Ireland has built up a good enough reputation to have a, have actual actors in it. Like, mm. could look Leo Grand that we're going to work But gonna actually, this is like a big conversation because, like, do you have gay people to only play gay people, autistic people to only play autistic people, blind people to only play blind people? I think that's different. That's different. I think that's different. Doing accents is. I don't know, like I was watching um, Night on Earth where the taxi driver picks up a blind lady and I looked her up and she's not blind in real life. She's a famous French actress. I'm somewhere in the middle in that camp where I'm like, I'm kind of okay with people doing accents as long as they do the work. Like basically Tom Cruise didn't do the work here. Like he just didn't do the work. Well, that might be his best shot. Yeah, but that's the thing. And I think- or, Or he had two weeks to prep. Yeah, and right. maybe maybe I'm completely wrong about this, but maybe some people will back me up. I think the Irish accent is very difficult for a lot of people. Like That's even true. English actors mm. who've done Irish accents, it comes like conversations with friends, which is on BBC Three at the minute. Joe Alwyn, who's playing the lead, is an English actor, and he's playing an, uh, a guy from Dublin from like five minutes from where I grew up. Watch the first episode, and all I'm thinking through it is, oh god, my problem, I guess, or my issue when it comes to these things, and the casting is not even about like political correctness about like 
there are certain demographics that have already limited opportunities, right? So even like Irish people, like they're not going to be able to get casted for every single role because they're limited by their accent to an extent, unless they can do an incredible American accent, which is fair game. But then you have like a disabled person who can like by definition, they can only play disabled roles because they can't stand up, right? So like why have non-disabled actors like play disabled roles when you kind of take away that limited opportunity that already exists in that realm? Right. Mm, yeah. Exactly. So, just like play fair, play fair, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Tom. <laughs> Tom. Uh, I think you learned his lesson. Come on, Tom. There's I disabled you, Irish I, people I, I that think, could have done that role. <laughs> I think you learned his lesson. I think he stayed like to his like he stayed true to his American like. There's supposed there's there's supposedly um, an old story about while they were filming that in Ireland that he was almost beaten up in a bar. Because he leant Shit. over the bar to grab some ice or something like that. And the guy, an old man at the bar, grabbed him because he thought he was trying to steal the barman's cigarettes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Threatened to beat him up. It was, uh, yeah. So, the big reveal. Yes, who won? How did our audience rank our rankings? FYI, when we asked people to vote, we didn't disclose who picked what. So we tried to be as fair as possible. So Ben, for your picks, I feel like we need some kind of... Ooh, there we go. <laughs> I like that. Whenever ben, for your picks, 77% of the audience agreed. That's a good number. Mm, it's a very good number. And 23% of the audience disagreed. That's not too bad at all. From a couple of messages ago, and get ready for this. Okay. I think there are some covert mommy fans out there. You're wrong. If and, and maybe, maybe they're making the same mistake that you did, that they think it's the Brendan Fraser mummy. Maybe. If that's what you thought, I forgive you, and because like that is Cruise a fantastic like a backup. <laughs> Simon, mm. for your picks. <laughs> is it terrible? 61% oh. of the audience agreed, and 39% of the audience agreed. I think... You hit a soft spot for the many people out there who absolutely love a few good men. Mm. Um, yeah, I had a lot of people respond back to that, you know, story, say, oh my God, no, what are you talking about? A Few Good Men is the best film ever. It's good, bad. It, yeah, I think that's what maybe got to you. Yeah, I but I mean, if you've got Magnolia and A Few Good Men, Magnolia's got to be the good, good. That's true. That's true. That I'm not dis- true. I'm not disagreeing. Of I just the think list, like maybe you pigeonholed yourself at the list. That's the problem. Yeah. And for my picks, 84%. Oh, of course, the person who runs the Instagram page gets the most. I know, I hack the system. There's cum stains all over the sheets. (laughs) (laughs) God. Um, 16% of the people disagreed. I think that dreadful Irish accent won me the poll, I have to say, because I had so many people say, oh my God, far and away, it's the worst film ever. And I think people in uh, on my page anyway have a soft spot for collateral. So that is that kind of like underground cult favorite that many people don't know mm, about, but the okay. ones that do feel very strongly about it. Anyway, that was fun. It didn't hurt that I won, but no. I wanna like I, I want us to keep doing this so like we can definitely yeah. can yeah. we find out more about you guys at home, what you yeah. like, what you don't like. Yeah, to the people listening, uh, send us your suggestions on any games or debates you want us to take on next. Yeah, let's take a quick break before we come back with spoilers for Top Gun Maverick. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see. Nah, yo, hold my food. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. We're back. (laughs) After that, you know, intense Tom Cruise field special. So, final scene for Top Gun Maverick. 
it's interesting. I feel like it's almost unreal that we're talking about a Top Gun sequel, right? My dad, you know, mm. was obsessed with Top Gun. And we're like 36 years later and we talk about a sequel. It just feels a bit unreal to me. Mm. Weirdly, though, it feels like the right time to have done it. I feel like if they had done a Top Gun sequel straight after, it just would have been the same thing. But actually, um, we'll talk about it because they've let it like grow a little bit and like characters like Miles Tellers and stuff. Actually, it's a better time to have done it in a way. Yeah. Like an older Maverick is much more interesting than just Top Gun 2. He's back for more air <laughs> flight sequences. You know, it actually gives me more depth to it. Yeah, they definitely waited for the right time and the right story to come back. So to give you guys a bit of a recap, Top Gun Maverick picks up the story of the original Top Gun after more than 30 years. Maverick continues to be in service as one of the Navy's top aviators where he belongs, pushing the envelope in Mission Impossible arrogance level style with all sorts of test pilots and dodging the advancement in the ranks, though he could easily have that. But I feel like that's an interesting plot point. He could have been an admiral by now. Easily. But he's still a lowly captain. Yeah. He's frozen in time, just like Tom Cruise. (laughs) Right where he's right where he needs to be. Exactly. In any case, early on in the film, he finds himself training a detachment of Top Gun graduates for a specialized mission that some people called suicide mission in that film, if I remember correctly. John, John Hamm in, kind of indirectly calls it suicide yeah. mission. Yeah. By the way, John Hamm is so good at the, you know, the it's, film. It's, you know, the Star Wars memes of like, you know, but you're going to do it, right? That type of thing. There is yeah. a bit where it's like, but they're going to come back, right? <laughs> Part of the mission is to bring them back, right? And you're like, yes, Tom, fight for your man. And in this group of young pilots, Maverick encounters Lieutenant Bradley Bradshaw, what a hilarious name, uh, played by Miles Teller, uh, called Sign Rooster, who is the son of Maverick's late friend, Goose, who died tragically in the the original Top Gun. Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) Very, very clever. From there on, the film just spirals in a fascinating way. Like for me, the third act was the strongest one. We see Maverick facing a future that doesn't quite want him. I thought that was very sweet. And confronting the ghosts of his past, while he's also called to move past some of his own deepest fears. This all culminates in a mission that demands the 1,000% from the pilots that are involved in it. The best of the best, as they keep calling them in the movie. (laughs) Exactly. And we arrive at the third act of the film. Are they in Russia? They never disclose. Yeah, where they it don't is. disclose where it is, but yeah. it's kind of. It was an ira- Iranian mission. Like, no, oh. uranium. They're going to oh, destroy you know a uranium. Mean, oh my god! <laughs> I need subtitles. Going to destroy a uranium refining plant. I need, I need subtitles. Yeah, you're right. Like the enemy was faceless. Yeah. yeah. Because I kept thinking I'd missed something, like I'd fallen asleep or something. No, I, they I never, think it's intentional. They never I think it's intentional. Uh, yeah. In case Putin gets cross. Hmm. Yeah. It's the classic Hollywood point in a story arc where it gets towards the end of the film and the goodies are at the point of no return. We're made to believe Maverick is dead. Yeah. He gets shot down. Rooster and Phoenix and the other pilots are told, come back. And Rooster says no. And then out of nowhere, they manage to steal a enemy plane from the enemy base that they just bombed the shit out. With the help of Rooster. Rooster comes back from Mm -hmm. and then gets himself shot down. (laughs) Then there's another dogfight. Okay. Yeah. And then what happens Here, after the dogfight? They go back to the pilot and they all have fabulous embraces on the deck. Yeah. And the big go, di- go back to the pilot, go back to the ship. Yeah, I mean, the final scene is 
pretty simple. I almost feel like, because I, I, try, I tried to memorize the final scene because I knew we were going to talk about it. It's like a montage of like yeah, short scenes. Yeah, it's a scenes. couple of different, it's like, uh, like vignettes. The very, very final shot is actually Maverick looking back at the photograph that he keeps at his hangar with uh, Goose. Before that, we see Rooster looking at the photos as well. And now there's the photo of Maverick and Rooster on the on the board as well. Exactly. So Jennifer Connelly's character where they kind of... Which, by the way, I read that in that scene, it was actually Tom Cruise flying the plane. Not that I'm surprised, but oh, Jesus Christ. Yo. Yeah, I'm not surprised. that. Yeah, because <laughs> he, he did that with James Corden like two weeks ago He in, in that plane. But Simon, I know you mentioned earlier, which I agree that the whole Penny, well, that's your name in the yeah. film, storyline was quite weak, but... To Jennifer Connell's credit, I feel like she took like a very weakly written character yeah, and turned it into really well and turned it something into a bit stronger. Mm. But like sometimes it's forced, and again, like it's what you said, like it's a very like Hollywood ending that somehow every single, sing, literally single white man in like in these sort of action movies needs to have a love interest. Mm. Like he can't go without. And it just like, felt a bit bolted on. That, yeah, that for part. sure. Yeah, but to touch on that, I feel like. As you mentioned, Ben, like ending with Goose, this is what the film was ultimately all about. That kind of, like is a tribute to the friendship and like the commitment that comes with that friendship and like the act of letting go. Mm. Because I, I watched the original Top Gun recently. The very final scene is actually the love interest, mm. Kelly McGillis's character at the time, where it's at the diner, if you remember, and like they have like a classic Hollywood kiss moment and then... That's the film, which I felt like was the wrong ending because the film wasn't about these two. The film was about like... It's the Iceman and Maverick handshake in the deck or the hug is like, that's where it... 100%. I know you say so and it kind of fell a little bit flat, but I think if you take the film as a whole, it couldn't have ended in any other way because the whole film is just high-fiving mm. action, like really happy endings and kind of like, I just walked out of it being like, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like I'm 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 good. If if it had just ended if it just ended if it just ended yeah, that is true. If it had just ended that Maverick's dead and they hadn't had that whole kind of secret fourth act where Rooster comes back to get him. I would hate that. I would I would have hated that. I was thinking it's off brand. Exactly. I was sitting there thinking, fuck, if they try to do like a cool drama thing where Maverick's dead or he gets fucking he's a POW or something and they have to pay to get him back. It'd be stupid. Mm. But the fact that Rooster goes back, and I have to say one of my favorite Miles Teller performances. I think he is great as that character, but also plays it so like clearly Goose's son. You know, he does a really great job at not like trying to imitate Goose from the first one, but plays it really well that he's mm -hmm. his son. Like it's really believable. And the relationship between him and Tom Cruise is really good. And also the fact that they all did those fucking plane stunts in real life is ridiculous. That was kind of my next question. Would you have ended the film differently? And I know Simon, you said that you would probably like cut it off a bit earlier and you Ben think that that was a perfect way to end the film I think I just would have changed it around I would have ended it with the bit where you see Rooster going up to the collage and seeing himself seeing the photo of Maverick and Goose and then seeing the photo of Maverick and Rooster I think that is probably the right place to end it right I think you can have the Jennifer Connelly thing in there because it's nice to get like it's nice to give Maverick a happy ending to, yeah to be fair like it's less about her because that's not her story it's Maverick's story so it's yeah. like he kind of yeah he gets his happy ending and it's it, it's this whole thing of change for him and like 
you know, the whole relationship with Jennifer Connelly is and like even the little girl Amelia says it to him is like, just don't break her heart again, which I love that scene when he falls out the window and mm-hmm. he catches eyes with her. I thought it was brilliant. And she's like, just don't break her heart again. The whole thing is that Maverick wouldn't end up with her and he would run off and he would do something and he'd just be going flying plane. So actually to just give him that ending is really nice, which as you said, you know, we mentioned, would there be a Top Gun 3? I kind of hope there wouldn't be. I don't need another one. Mm-hmm. I'm happy knowing that Maverick is happy mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just good at that, good with that, you know? Mm-hmm. In that I know Tom Cruise is happy because I feel like Maverick is probably like Maverick feels of all of Tom Cruise's performances. Maverick feels like the one that is just like Tom Cruise kind of doing, you know, being himself. Because mm-hmm. in that scene that you said you like with Jennifer Connelly's daughter, Penny's daughter. Yeah. I thought cynically that they were perhaps setting up her to be the next Top Gun person. Oh, Because, no, you know, right, you, know stretch, the, you know, the ending sequence, right? They're in... Tom Cruise's hangar where he's like polishing up his old plane. And he sees the little girls and in the gap in the yeah, plane. Yeah. And he sees the little girl in the gap. And I think that is the moment they're setting her up to be the next important character in the franchise. They could be, but they'd need to wait 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I was reading at an interview from one of the key producers and he was saying how they kept going back to Tony Scott to pitch him like an idea for a sequel. And he kept turning them down like, mm. no, 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 no. And they finally got it right when when they brought up the whole arc about Goose and like the sun, like storyline, how this could go. And Tony Scott said, okay, pitch it to me. It was the very first time that he was like, okay, I'm receptive to where this is going. And they had some early conversations and then he killed himself. Even for that, I feel like they, they wouldn't have done Maverick if they hadn't gotten some sort of affirmation, like positive affirmation from Scott. So my, my gut tells me that there's not going to be a Top Gun 3 because it just doesn't work in any shape or form. That's it. There have been people out there that are like, hey, Cruz has two films left with Mission Impossible. Then his slate is kind of clear. And he's, he's like, he's Now he's doing the space movie, isn't he? It's not his next, it's not his next big thing. No, as, as in like, yeah, kind of clear. As in like, yeah. he's not going to be in back-to-backs with like Mission Impossible has taken his entire like... It's taken like, yeah, five years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he has a bit of scope. So in theory, he could explore Top Gun 3. But for me, it would either have to be some sort of like coercive play from Paramount because of the box office success, right? Like to this date, it's Tom Cruise's highest grossing film to date. Uh, it already has like over 600 million in the box office. So there's that. But for whatever reason, like, and know we talked about Tom Cruise uh, for this entire episode, there is something about him that feels very like wholesome and that he's very, he really appreciates integrity. I don't think he could bastardize the film, the leg- legacy, the, like start a franchise for the sake of I just. Think, I think you're more likely to get a series out of it series with like rooster for example just yeah you could do like a or like just a general like a top gun like i feel like more so than doing a movie if they were to move on from cruise you're more likely to get them to like a hulu okay so we're almost at the end but i i just want to quickly shout out the ed credit song that simon and you had strong feelings about lady gaga's hold my hand I didn't even know it was Lady Gaga. It was Lady yeah, Gaga. I was surprised at the start when the credits came up and this, the score is by Hans Zimmer, someone else, and Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is a perfect choice for like heavy homoerotic energy, isn't she? If you think about it. <laughs> for the hard dick. Yeah, for the born this way, baby. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Did you like the song? It was just hyper cheesy, wasn't it? But that's the whole point of the movie. It was the perfect level of cheese. Yes. 
Yeah. If you had told me when we when we started doing this podcast and we looked at the schedule, like we're going to do Doctor Strange, Everything Everywhere All at mm. Once, and Top Gun, I never would have been thinking in my head, Jesus, Top Gun's going to be so much better than Doctor Strange. <laughs> I'm such a big Marvel fan. It's brilliant. Like, it is so yeah. good. If you want, like, to... Approved. Now, it's, it's over two hours long, but I will say, it doesn't it actually by, feel it. Literally. Yeah. It doesn't actually feel it because you do just spend most of your time being like fucking hell like just watching kind of how amazing it is and every now and again wanting to just like high five the person next to you and see me like yeah go on. like it's it's yeah i just thought it was great i loved it i thought it was great yeah i i tried not to like it but i really like that's i'm glad you said that because i'm glad no i'm glad you said that time because coming into this i was like oh god if simon hasn't liked it i'm gonna be really disappointed but i'm glad you said that that it's kind of it kind of won you over in that way because yeah. i think it will i think it will do that for a lot of people i think a lot of people are going to go into it quite cynically saying the old top gun it's just like this so ridiculous, yeah, it's overly cheesy. The flight sequences look terrible, all this stuff. Because like I was, I've just gotten into a hole of watching like videos on YouTube of like F-22 pilots talking about Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like, the original Top Gun's terrible. We watch it. I, I, I wanted to Google what the, the, that stealth plane was at the beginning, but it's, yeah, it's not real. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not real. Plane. But apparently they're supposedly, they were spied on by the Chinese government mm. because they thought it was real. Yeah. Lockheed Martin made it with them. It's But it's like a prototype thing. But yeah, I think a lot of people will go into the film thinking it's just going to be like the original. But actually, it is a it's a lot better, and it's like it's aged very well. I think mm. it's more mature. It's more tender. Yeah, much more, much more. It's a it's a grade A Sunday hangover film when it comes yes, out. Yes, um, exactly. Three. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it on DVD. Is it is it a great hangover film? Because oh, I, I feel so. like you get so. very nauseous. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like this. Some of those playing I mean, sequ- sequences are I, like as a person who's afraid of flying. There you go. There was definitely moments in the film where I was like getting like sweaty hands, being like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" Mm-hmm. Like my girlfriend turned to me because we went to see it on Monday night. She turned to me beforehand. She's like, "Are you not going to be like really nervous watching this film because like you hate flying?" I was like, "No, no, no, it'll be it'll be fine." I, I watch I watch videos of planes all the time, and that's fine because I'm not in them. <laughs> but there was genuine moments where I'm like, "Oh my god, Jesus like, Christ, they're going to die." <laughs> she's she's imagining like the pl- the flight sequences are made with like Ryanair planes, <laughs> which would actually <laughs> that's be quite a scary. very different movie. Oh, can you imagine Michael o- John Hamm's character being played by Michael O'Leary? <laughs> <laughs> a rattly old player from Ryanair. We've removed the seats from the jets. <laughs> <laughs> You're pulling 10 Gs with no seatbelts. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the ending has been solved again. You wasn't guys. too difficult to solve it that It wasn't. Uh, yeah, even though this one didn't really just, need any special detective yeah. skills. Say what you see. <laughs> And what we say is, go see the movie yourselves. It's go good. see the movie. Uh, so if you made it this far, we like to think that you enjoyed the episode. So why don't you go ahead and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you're listening. We'll be back in two weeks with Night on Earth from Jim. Pronounce it for Jaramush, me, please. Jaramush, Jaramush. There you go. Not sure. Correct us if we're wrong. Correct us if we're wrong. I'd like to get clarity on that, please. We're quite excited for this one. And maybe we can do like a filmography breakdown from I Really Love Him. Anyway, thanks so much for joining. Jaramush, Good evening and good night. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I, I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs>